Hello and welcome back to our devotion on the Psalms. Today I want us to look at Psalm 72. Psalm 72 can be described as a psalm about good government. Let's look at this psalm. Let us pray. Father, we ask that you speak to us your truths, that these truths of yours, the principles and values of yours may be inscribed into our hearts and be part of our daily lives even as we aspire for our nation, as we aspire for our own careers, even for our children, that your values may be part of our values. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 72 Give the King your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal Son. May, the judge, may he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life, and precious is the blood in his sight. Long may he live, may gold of Sheba be given to him, may prayer be made for him continually, and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land on the tops of the mountains, may it wave, may its fruit be like Lebanon, and may people blossom in the cities into the, like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever, his fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him, and nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and Amen. This is, oh, and then one more verse. Verse 20, the prayers of David, son of Jesse, are ended. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This psalm seems to be written, the last psalm written by David. But at the top, the title says, Of Solomon, or which can be translated into For Solomon, To Solomon. And many commentators then would surmise that this was a prayer written by King David, made by King David to God for his son Solomon. Other commentators say that this was probably Solomon's anointing or coronation service. This was the prayer made for him while David was still alive. Whatever it is, it appears then to be David's prayer for his son, the king, the parent, the king who will take over his place. What this psalm then tells us is the aspirations of King David for his son, King Solomon. It expresses what's most important to him, 
because Solomon's about to take over David's place. And David would have dreams and hopes for his son as his son takes over his kingdom. And therefore this psalm expresses to us what is most important in David's eyes, in David's heart. Perhaps we could also say that this psalm is most important, represents what is most important to God as well, because we know that David was a man after God's own heart. He knew what was important to God, he knew what God treasured, and so his aspirations would have also been God's aspirations. In a sense then, this psalm would illustrate to us, would represent to us, what is most important to God in government, in kingdoms. The psalm begins with a prayer that God will give justice and righteousness, uh, to, will give the king justice and righteousness. Now, when we pray for justice and righteousness, we often pray for justice and righteousness for ourselves. Lord, let me have be vindicated. Let me receive justice. Look at the people who bully me. Let me have justice. But this wasn't the prayer for Solomon. The prayer in verse 2 says, May he judge your people of righteousness and your poor with justice. David was praying for Solomon that he would have justice and righteousness, but not for himself, but that sense of justice and righteousness for his people and for the poor. In verse 4, he says, May he defend the cause of the poor, of the people, and give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. This was the first thing in David's prayer for his son Solomon. Not many kings would have prayed that way. Many kings would have prayed for success and grandeur and more conquest, more power, more wealth. But David's first prayer to God for his son was that his son would rule with justice and righteousness, justice for the poor and care for the needy. It was in this context then that David then continues to pray that in verse 8 that this king, his son, would have dominion from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all, verse 11, may all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. Well, it's true that David prays too that King Solomon received tribute and authority over all nations. But it wasn't an ambitious prayer. It wasn't for his own benefit, his own wealth and splendor. Rather, David was praying that Solomon would rule over great nations across the seas for one reason, that he might have dominion over them only so that he may lift them up. He prays that the tribes, many desert tribes will bow down. Desert tribes often live in poverty, often in uncertainty. And he wanted them to come under the benevolent rule of Solomon because Solomon would then, the king would then take care of them. Because in verse 12 it says, For he delivers the needy when he calls the poor and him who has no helper. The reason David is praying that all these nations be subject to Jerusalem, to the king of Israel, was not so much that he be given much power, but that he be a king who cares for them, who watches over them because he hears the cries of the needy, that everyone in his nation, every poor person in his nation, will be cared for. And then 
he continues to describe what this king would have done. In verse 12, where he delivers the needy when he calls the poor and him who has no helper. This king makes himself available to the needy. It's almost like the needy have a personal line, line to him. He calls, he's able to call the king. Maybe not directly, but at least he calls someone who will then call the king. And the king, most importantly, the king delivers when he's called by the poor, by the needy. And the poor and him who has no helper. What this shows us is that very often the poor are neglected. They have no helpers. They have no one who will listen to them. They have no one who cares very much for them. They are dispensable. We see that in wars. We see that in Russia. That even as Putin attacks Ukraine, he doesn't care very much how many of his own soldiers die. They are dispensable. We see that in many nations too. That soldiers, the people, the minions are dispensable. Even in countries that seem to care for their people, often neglect the very poor, the ones who have no one to help them. Note that these are the very poor who have no one to help them, but who is helping them? It is the king himself. Can you imagine a person who has no other helpers, no one who would care for them, but he has a hotline direct to the king? That's what God admires. Kings who care personally for those in need. But it's even more radical. It says, He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, He redeems their life and precious is their blood in His sight. How wonderful this statement. Because elsewhere we read that precious is in the sight of God are His heroes, are the ones who are valiant, are the ones who, give, who, who serve Him. But here it says precious in his sight is the blood is the blood of the poor. Think about it. How dispensable are the poor? How often we see a man, a woman who is poverty, even in Singapore, and we say, Well, too bad. They'll eke it out or they'll starve or they'll die, it doesn't matter. And so often then the poor become very dispensable, and that brings us to big issues like climate crisis. Where we, where the rich don't have to worry very much. It's the poor, it's always the poor who suffer the most. But they are dispensable in most of our eyes. This is what the heart of God is all about. Any government, whether they claim to be Christian or not, as long as they do not care for the poor, it's not a kingdom, not a government that is after the heart of God. A government that is after the heart of God will always care for the least of, the, of its nation, the poorest of the poor. Precious is their blood. I think of Singapore and I'm very proud of this nation because right from the beginning, we were a poor nation. One of my friends uh, in Barker Road, he was um, he was very famous doctor for uh, first doctor who started treatment for diabetes, but very, very understated. He never talked about himself. But I, but because I was journeying with him after his wife passed away, I realized then that when he, as a young doctor, saw so many people suffering from diabetes, he volunteered to be, uh, to be trained in treatment of diabetes and became a pioneer in that treatment. These were doctors with conviction, people who cared 
And I think of our government too, even though there are many people who criticize Lee Kuan Yew for his draconian steps, yet he saw a nation that was poor and he cared for the poor. Any nation, any government that is supposedly after God's heart has to care for the poor. But this is not just about government. This is about ambitions and aspirations. King David aspired for his son to be a great king. But he thought his idea of a great king was one who would care for the poor. One who would value the least among his people. And then we think about our children. Often our children then we guide them as to careers. What are the principles that we guide them over the careers? Is it that this is a career that will bring you the most money? This is the career that will make you successful quickly? What are the factors that we consider when we think about the future careers of our children? Would it be also a prayer by us for our children that our children give their lives and love the poor to protect, to bring justice to the poor, righteousness to the people. I remember having brought up my daughter all these years and she was about to uh, be sent overseas for studies. And on the Sunday, the last Sunday before we flew off, the preacher, Ed Poulsen, he, he, he spoke in our church in Agape too. And he preached and he made an altar call, but this altar call wasn't to commit their lives to Jesus, but was to commit their lives to serve the poor. And remember that day, one person stood out, and that was my daughter. She came forward to be prayed for. And I just kept weeping and weeping because there was so much joy. So much joy that, that the person, the child that I had raised, that I loved, was responding to the heart of God, which was that she would live for the poor and for righteousness. And we want our children to be that way too, not necessarily to gain scholarships or to go to the best universities in the world, but that their hearts be to resonate with God's, which is that they will do justice for the poor and righteousness for all people. It's a prayer then that I remember, and then it comes to us as well, what is our motivation for all our work? I remember a CEO of a multinational, uh, huge company. This man is a, was a very humble person. When we talked about politics, office politics, and rising to the top, he said, you know, I really don't care what privileges, what benefits I have. And he had a lot. I mean, there were shares, there were special car parks, there was toilets for him only and all that. But he said, these things don't matter to me. The only thing that matters is that when I get promoted again and again, I have more people to care for. That there will be many whose families depend on our company, depends on me, my decisions. And I know then that I'm only promoted for that reason alone. That I have wide, that God widens the scope of my pastoral care for my people. This was an attitude of a CEO of a big company and I was so proud of him. Another one, a chairman of another very large um, MNC, even had a toilet, in a private toilet inside his office. Can you imagine the size of his office? And there was a spanking toilet in there. 
and all his time there he refused to use the toilet because he said what am i why should i use a toilet that's different from any other person and he would go and use the common toilet of course he didn't talk about he didn't he didn't moralize that to his pa one day his pa came and said um sir why i haven't seen uh, I've, I haven't seen your toilet dirty. It looks like you've never used it before. And this man laughed and said, huh, yeah, because the toilet's so clean, I dare not dirty it. And then he just laughed it off and went and used the common toilet. But these are people who cared little or cared nothing for the perks of high office. But they saw their role as people who would care for the poor through or for the employees through their work. But it applies to all of us to whatever level of management or how high our role is, or how lowly our role is, that our mindset be transformed. That we be people who treasure and value the lowest of the least of God's people. The ones who are poor, the ones who are needy, that their blood is precious in the eyes of God. May we then learn this lesson from God's heart as well. It's a hard thing because I remember when I was pastoring in the in the very in my previous church, which was very rich, and often I would get requests, not necessarily past need for pastoral care, but lots of requests by the very rich, the very powerful, and versus that of a need, a petition by a very poor person. And I remember Apostle James always remember that when he says do you give special favor to the one who is rich and less favor to the one who is poor? And it's so tempting because we, we even drop names, right? It's easy to say, oh, this minister worships in my church or that CEO worships in my church and feels good. And yet in final analysis, is that even important? Because the important people in God's sight are the least, are the unknown, are the poor, are the ones who perhaps are being oppressed the ones we could help, we could find ways of helping, of elevating. And so it begins, all of church outreach begins with that heart. It's not about going out and just helping here and there and doing our piece of good work and uh, checking those boxes. Have you helped the poor? Have you? It's not about that. It's about beginning with a transformed heart and transformed mindset where we see the value of every person, especially the poor and the oppressed. And we say to ourselves, our lives count for these people because they are precious in the sight of our God. And if then we were to be promoted, to given more responsibilities, it is not about getting those perks. It is about having more responsibility, a wider group of people to care for, whose welfare is important to God, it's important to us. May we, over the years, be transformed by God because it's so easy to fall the other way, but it is so precious to God that we develop hearts that care for the needy, to fight to defend the oppressed and to want righteousness for all people. Let us pray. Father, your heart is so different from ours. We, we measure people by their wealth, by their status, by how important they are. You measure people that way too, but yours is just the reverse. You, 
You say precious in your sight is the blood, not just the martyrs, but the blood of the poor, of the needy. That for every person who dies on the streets of poverty is important to you. Father, how little do we see this? How little do we understand this? That our hearts have been so hardened that it counts these as nobody, as dispensable, as unimportant, and we look for more important things to do. Father, transform our hearts. Help us to feel the way you feel, to see the way you see. That wherever, in whatever position you place us, we may be people after your own heart. Kings, managers, ordinary people, each of us will have that same heart for the poor and that righteousness be done. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening in and have a blessed week. Goodbye.